game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors, Chris Allen. And All right, welcome Adam in everybody to Will Dynasty Owners Manual. This is going to be our Dynasty banter episode. So this is kind of where we just kind of uh, hang out. As always, I'm with Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWS. I'm Adam Wilde at APWILDE. And today we get to hold J. Mike hostage to uh, to his own demise as opposed to uh, our affairs on the open bar. J. Mike, how you doing, man? Listen, man, I've been blinking twice. I've been waving my hands. I've been writing notes trying to get up out of here. And for whatever reason, I am. I'm trapped and I'm stuck in this weird place of structure and all these smart people. I don't know what's going on, but I'm happy to be here with you guys. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is good stuff. All right. So uh, as we started last week, I'm drinking. Chris is not. And J. Mike, do you have any alcoholic beverages on hand? At this moment, no, sir. It is, it is straight agua. And I'm actually empty in my bottle, which is rather disappointing. All right. Fantastic. So I've got uh, these these nibs what do you what do you guys call the the small ones that you get from the uh the liquor store that is up next to the counter uh shooters uh, that's what i've normally called them shooters. yeah just like the, the yeah the little bottles or whatever that you'd find at like a mini bar or whatever yep that's that's exactly that's the same exact name yep yeah shooters you're from the same area so i'll i'll accept it we call them nibs some people call them nips i don't know why but i've had a few of them. So, <laughs> You're enjoying your Thursday night, man. Way more than I am. It's for the brand. It's not for me. I won't enjoy it. I don't drink often. But since the segment started and it was my idea, I have been. This is Dynasty so, Owner's Manual, not drinking owner's manual. I mean, we can just have a conversation. You don't have to drink. You have to understand that this is the Dynasty Banter episode. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> We do our interviews. We will be back on task. Super serious, I guess. But right. with our first question, let's get into it. We just talked about a question on the DLF Mailback Show a couple minutes ago, and we're going to carry it over to here because it was really interesting. Um, it's essentially what rookie last year do you feel like is going to have the most success in 2020 with more opportunity. Uh, it doesn't have to be carries. It can just be touches. So it could be wide receiver, tight end, running back. Uh, if it was a quarterback that you thought maybe should have had more opportunity to play and he didn't start all year, uh, whoever you want. But we'll kick it over to you first, J. Mike. Who do you think is going to succeed in 2020 if they get more opportunities? One of the – and I find myself in a weird place saying this because I wasn't the biggest fan of his coming out, but – what about Deontay Johnson in year two? Yeah, we talked about him. Yeah, I like him. What, I like him. 
yeah, what what happens what happens when what happens when Big Ben comes back? What happens happens when we get functional quarterback play? And what happens when a guy who out of nowhere uh, was giving us relevant weeks as a rookie in a dreadful, dreadful situation. Um, what what happens when Deontay Johnson can can maybe even be the co-star? What happens if he's the number two uh, in, instead of James Washington? Or dare I say, what happens if he's the one B to Juju Smith-Schuster? Like there's there's a lot of intrigue behind Deontay Johnson that I'm so willing to get behind right now. I mean, literally out the gate. 92 targets as a rookie. 92. Just fantastic. 59 catches, 680 yards, five scores. Uh, I, I really I really think the arrow's pointing up for Deontay. He showed well in his first season. All right, Jay, Mike, who do you think has the higher ADP between James Washington and Deontay Johnson from DLF's January ADP? My guess is going to be James Washington because I, guess, I think people are very, finding it very hard to quit him if, they, if they're going to. Yeah, it's actually Deontay Johnson. I was surprised, oh. too. I we we had two mailbag episodes ago on DLF. We had the question, um, "Who are you trusting in 2020?" or something along those lines, Chris. And uh, mm-hmm. I was I was more James Washington at first, and Chris was Deontay Johnson. Uh, and then we started gathering some information for the show, and I was like, "Nah, I'm Deontay Johnson too." <laughs> it just uh, well, Mason Rudolph sucked. That's one thing. So. Mm-hmm. He thought that he was going to have the college connection. And, like, I wholeheartedly believe that just because it makes sense to me. Like, I don't have any evidence that that even matters whatsoever. But it just seems to me like if us three threw the football in the backyard with each other a lot, that we would probably be good at throwing the football to each other. So it always makes sense in my head that that should work. And, like, it's they didn't have any obvious connection whatsoever. And then when Duck Hodges got in, James Washington started coming on at the end. That's why I think that the ADPs have stayed relatively similar. But I considered both of them to be a buy uh, in our episode because I think if they were able to do that and relatively succeed with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and we know Big Ben's coming back and we know Juju's coming back, I, I would imagine – it's very likely their ADPs rise next year. Yeah, I think that's true. And um, and now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, uh, building off of our conversation that we had uh, for the DLF mailbag, go check that out on uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, Dynasty League Football. Uh, Good plug. Go ahead, go ahead and check that out. Yeah, shameless plug. I mean, we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, but either way, uh, when we were talking about Miko Hardman, right, and looking at his development, now I'm not trying to say that Miko Hardman and Deontay Johnson are the same type of player, like no way, no how, but more of how their respective offenses use them. I mean, both are being used as in the, in both special teams and as, as wide receivers. We saw, and uh, we actually wound up using, I think, that clip when we did the mailbag episode, Deontay yeah. Johnson wound up taking that punt return to the house. And, uh, I mean, we've seen Miko Hardman, I mean, do the same. I mean, not to say that both of them wind up making their hay in the same fashion, but the fact that once you get the ball in their hands, the things that they can do, the way they can read the field and actually use their athleticism in order to just blow by people, I mean, it's one of those traits that you can't teach. And if we want to see, if, if we're expecting to see more 
of uh, that type of production, I would look for I would look for a player that has that ability to uh, to produce not only from the passing game, but also from from special teams. I mean, for how long did we look at guys like Tyler Lockett? as those dual threat like type players where it was just okay well especially even from a dfs standpoint how many times did folks say that okay i want to play tyler lockett in the seahawks defense you know like how many times even when like even uh, in tyreek hill's like rookie season when we saw how decent he was like how quick he was tyreek hill in the kansas city chiefs defense we we want to play those guys that are going to see the field in in multiple facets and deontay johnson has already shown that he can do that so, and I haven't seen that from James, James Washington. So I think he already has the leg up on Washington. And just like J. Mike was saying, if, we, if we're expecting competent and consistent quarterback play coming back in 2020 with Ben Roethlisberger, that offensive line is still one of the best blocking offensive lines in the league, or at least top 10 at the very least. I mean, I, I, would, I would much rather have a guy that I can see getting on the field in multiple ways other than... I mean, a guy that we just we really just see James Washington as uh, this might be a poor comparison, but I'm just thinking back to other wide receivers in that offense that play that way. But like a I don't know, like a Darius Hayward Bay, like, you know, a guy that just kind of pops up with some of these deeper passes every now and again. And while, you know, he might wind up, uh, you know, playing well, I would prefer Deontay Johnson like over uh, over James Washington. That's just my take, though. Well, at the end of the day, you do have to remember that James Washington was the Blitznikoff winner. I mean, like he. He's he was supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like he was a slouch, and then and then we thought he would be good, and then he wasn't. Like he was supposed to be good, and he's came on pretty slow. But I think like I don't think you have to make the pick because you could buy them both pretty cheap. That's like we had the great Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde argument, right? Yeah, and of course. Of course, I was Team Carlos Hyde, who didn't even play for the team, but. Uh, whatever. So the the argument I made at the end of the day, I was like, look, I'm not even going to have this argument with you people anymore because they're both cheap enough to where you should just go by the Kansas city backfield. And then I kind of like did a little math with the value and just said like, okay, what would be the expense for buying the backfield? And at one point it was like using a calculator. I think I did. It was like the, uh, a second for each of them, like an early second and a late second or, or an early second and an early third. I'm like, okay, so you're paying a first for Kansas City's running back. Like, mm-hmm. that's fair. It's fair to me. So that was kind of my my situation there. And you can get James Washington and Deontay Johnson for cheaper than that. So I wouldn't mind somebody that's got a few leagues just trying to grab them in each of them and probably profit. Uh, I think it's weird that we didn't even really think about Nikhil Harry uh, in this in both of our exercises. Like, I kind of wanted to do them. But then I realized that I would have to admit that he didn't really do well, and then I would have to defend that. So it was a little too stressful for the DLF show. But for you know, for the sake of this show, I mean, I mean, the Patriots' offense is hard, right? I mean, playing for Bill Belichick's hard. Getting yelled at by Tom Brady's hard. Dropping a pass on the biggest stage is—it's difficult to overcome that. So. I just wish that we took that into account a little bit more, maybe that it was going to be so difficult for him, but I don't necessarily believe that he was uh, unsuccessful in his first year. I mean, he got hurt. They put him on IR, which I didn't think that they needed to do. And then 
uh, he had a tough go of it after that. But I mean, people I saw on Twitter somebody's trading Miko for Nikhil Harry. Who who would you rather have, Jay Mike? Would you rather have Nikhil uh, Harry or Miko Harmon? And I, I, I like Miko a lot, but I, I, I still, I'd, I'd still want Harry at this point. But let me, let me spin this around for you guys real quick. Yeah. When it, when it comes to Nikhil Harry, what is obviously? It almost feels like sometimes, even in these instances, these guys don't necessarily lose a ton of value. But it feels like the entire narrative around Harry has been so uh, dis, displeasing, and has just been such a gross taste in people's mouths it almost feels as though that he's lost value while barely even getting a chance to sustain or even show you kind of why they took him so let me ask this do do does does Nikhil Harry with obviously with the exercise that we're walking and talking through what is the value at which you'd either be willing to go and try to get Nikhil Harry or even sell Nikhil Harry as he was likely in most leagues um somewhere amongst the top three picks of the league, right? So likely some order of your your Sanders, your uh, Jacobs. Um, Montgomery, I think, was hanging around there in Nikhil Harry, but Nikhil Harry, I would imagine, was probably top three pick in most rookie, rookie leagues. What are you What are you doing to go get him at this point with this class in mind? And what, do you, what would you sell him for if that was the case as well? All right, hold on, hold on. Let me turn it around, turn it around. Let's. Oh, <laughs> oh no. You can't, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Right. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Let's run down the line. So, all right. Um, is everyone's one on one DeAndre Swift? Uh, for me, uh, it's, he's up there. One, two, somewhere. Let's just say one or two. Yeah. So, is it between Swift and Dobbins for you guys? Yeah, I think that's, that's about five. where I'm at. I think that's about where I'm at right now. I think the best wide receiver might get up there, but. Just for the sake of exercise, uh, let's do J.K. Dobbins or Nikhil Harry. Just a, just a quick, which one? Mm, Dobbins. Dobbins, by the way. Yeah, I'd probably have to go Dobbins. Knowing so, what we know right now. Uh, yeah, Dobbins. yeah, Mike, you, I got to get your answer. Yeah, Dobbins. Okay. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, Dobbins for me as well. Okay, so DeAndre Swift, Nikhil Harry? Swift. Yeah. Let's make it interesting for me. Three is between Judy and C.D. Lamb. Unfortunately, I already stamped my flag on Jerry Judy, but C.D. Lamb is taking my heart. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Judy. Let's say Judy goes, what do we say, top 10 probably? Let's say top 10 Jared Judy. Would you rather him or Nikhil Harry? The, I think this is, a conversa- this is the conversation point for me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I would likely say it's probably Nikhil Harry in that instance still for me. Um, but I also don't have Judy as my number one wide receiver. So Okay. We'll get we'll get to your guy. What about you? <laughs> um I lean I lean Harry. Uh but I, I understand even if he were to go top ten, I'm trying to think of the, the landing spots that would that would be available to him there. Um yeah. Because I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, I remember AJ Brown though. I mean, right? I mean, I, I I get it, and I mean, because top ten, we're talking. I mean, he could land in Arizona. Yeah, uh, that would be that'd be pretty nice. Uh, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, so I mean, there 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 are paths to him having a much higher value, but I would still probably lean Harry because there's only so many. I mean, there's, there's only a few in that area. I feel like I'm a Nikhil Harry supporter, but I'm not 
really thinking about taking the kill area here. Cause here's what I've learned at Dynasty, and I meant to I meant to get back to you on this earlier, J Mike, before I started this this turnaround turnaround was I will tell you why we have soured on Nikhil Harry so quickly. And that is because of Mr. Corey Davis. And that is because of Mr. Laquan Treadwell. (laughs) Because prior to those two individuals, we had the likes of Mr. Sammy Watkins and the likes of Mr. Adele Beckham and the likes of Mr. Jarvis Landry in the second round. And we got really, really spoiled in 2014. Right. And then after 2014, we're like, well, yeah, you just take the good wide receivers early. They're going to last longer. Uh, they're producing earlier now. And then those guys just uh, ripped your heart right out of your chest and ate it. <laughs> so I think we're just getting the repercussion of that. And that's why people have soured on nuclear Harry so quickly. Um I don't think that it's really considered souring on them, considering that Nikhil Harry wasn't top 10 either. So, I mean, Jared Judy's profile is probably not uh, – I got to look into him more. I don't know. Do you think Jared Judy's profile is better than Nikhil Harry's right now? At this point, uh, I would say yes. I got to look more. I mean, Nikhil Harry, 18 – Breakout age, I'm pretty sure, for Nico Harry. I think he checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. It's probably close, but the top 10 is going to sway it for me. So I'll take Judy. What about C.D. Lamb for you, J. Mike? <laughs> C.D. Lamb. And, 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 and uh, obviously, uh, we, we, we're, we're talking dummies. Uh, excuse me, with the dummies, Dynasty Dummies this week, regarding wide receivers in the, in the Bonanza. And uh, we, as we've discussed, uh, one of the really interesting things is uh, for me, at least, Lamb scored higher uh, just from straight film watching him than anybody from last year. And A.J. Brown, I think, was my number one. I liked A.J. Brown a lot coming out. And, yep. um, and, and and Lamb, man, what he's able to do with the ball in his hands is absurd. So absurd. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like, I like a lot of Lamb's game. So I think Lamb's my numero uno amongst uh, those those guys. No, I think All that's right. fair. I mean, that uh, – but – Adam and I had this conversation before because uh, when I was doing a I was doing a piece for four for four last summer where I was looking at uh, Kyler Murray and mm-hmm. some of the work he was able to do before he got drafted and uh, seeing him connect with Marquise Brown. If it wasn't uh, any of the games that I watched, uh, it was uh, Kyler Murray versus uh, Will Greer when they played against West Virginia. Uh, it was then when they played uh, against like Texas Tech. I mean, or or UT or like anybody. If it wasn't Hollywood catching touchdowns i mean it was it was that man cd i mean it was it was either one or the other and you could kind of see like where like his development like his trajectory for where we're kind of at now in terms of discussing uh lamb as the possible uh number one wide receiver in this class so i'm i'm biased i'll already go out i'll already come out and say that uh cd is my top wide receiver but i would have told you that uh probably like last year at some point wildy real quick before you even jump into it I went to mockdraftable.com just trying mm-hmm. to be able to see the athletic comparisons to one to kill Harry that we were just talking through. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting list. So uh, uh, no, notable names on this athletic comparisons for him. Because, um, like I said, uh, he, he had a – I don't know what you call this. So he ran a 4.53, so 45th percentile looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, vertical jump was 38.5, so 84th percentile is pretty good, obviously. Uh, broad jump of 62 uh, – excuse me, in the 62nd percentile, 122 inches. And 99% bench press. Um, <laughs> Cody Latimer, Greg Little, 
<laughs> AJ Brown. Okay. Yeah. Braylon Edwards. Okay. Jalen Hurd. What? Quincy Inunua. Wow. And lastly, Kevin White. So wow. all those are anywhere wow. between 84% comparisons mm-hmm. and 76% comparisons of names that we probably know because we're old enough to be able to recognize yeah. those as, yeah, as really not household names, but just, yeah. Ooh. Right. So I, I just found that interesting when we talk about athletically, uh, what, what, what they have comp there. Okay. So I, I'm, I'll just cut it off here. I think we got to the one of four is about where we have to think about it. That's what it seemed like. Pretty much, if we're looking at if we're if we're trying to compare their value for his comps to where they went, because we flipped Judy and CD between the two of us, so so one of five. But okay, so then all three of us need to go buy Nikhil Harry everywhere because you could probably get him for like very late first or early second. Mm -hmm. It seems like right now the way the. But there's just as much trepidation behind the unknown landing spots of these rookies yeah. and what's going on in New England. Like we don't we don't know, right? <laughs> like right. it could be a very different looking team in New England. Well, you know, Bill Belichick's not changing his system, though. Right, and, but the uh, but what he's going to wind up yeah. asking the receivers to do, can they as quickly pick up that offensive scheme? Because that was kind of the knock on uh like what like harry's production in 2019 it was just well the kid was having drops then he has the he has the ankle problem i'll put i'll put ankle problem in air quotes because they probably thought he wasn't ready throw him on ir and then let's see where the kid is at like after (laughs) after he's done but you have the guy running option routes the second he walks on your field like and then tom brady gets mad when you're not running the right option and then you're already what are you supposed to do you're already in the can when you just started and right. they do constantly. Mm-hmm. And then they turn Tony Michelle into LeGarrette Blount, which is not what he profiled as at all. So mm-hmm. we're constantly praising this team because they win games. That does not mean that they're not doing anything incorrectly, which they obviously are with early skill positions. Right, right. And like and also and just like we were talking about uh with Miko Hardman, just like we were talking about with Deontay Johnson, we're looking for players with dual threat ability and Nikhil Harry has that because he's not only uh you know at least a uh a legitimate receiver but he's also used as as a rusher so if we're I mean everybody's already you know uh praising I mean the the likes of guys like Debo Samuel because I mean of course because they're playing in the Super Bowl but Debo Samuel is also being used in a similar fashion in San Francisco but now, I mean, it's, so everybody's loving Debo Samuel and the things that he can do both as a receiver and out of the backfield. I mean, the Patriots were using Nikhil Harry in just the same way. I mean, obviously not playing the Super Bowl. But if we're looking at similar usage, then I I, I can see that I can see Harry having a, a better season in 2020. The man only had like 34 targets. I mean, this past yeah. season. What do you expect? Yeah, and we, you and I, have praised DK on the air before. And mm-hmm. if you're and gonna, rightfully so, and you and if you're going to praise DK, you have to praise Pete Carroll because, or I guess who's their all, offensive coordinator? I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, Schottenheimer. Yes, Schottenheimer. Um, they they were using him beautifully, and the heat map that we referenced. I wish I could remember off the top of my head who tweeted that, but it showed that progressively throughout the year, at the beginning of the year, they started him off just like look, dude, we're just going to get you the ball 
easiest way possible, and you just go be bigger than everyone. And then they laid it on him slowly, but they built up his confidence by saying, hey, you're bigger than everyone. You're faster than everybody. We're going to give you these routes that show that you're bigger and faster than everybody, and we're not going to ask you to do anything special. And then by the end of the year, he was very special, very special. Mm-hmm. Um, and we argued uh, on one of our shows between A.J. Brown and D.K., and I just think that straight up, yeah, I'm going to flip a coin probably, but the fact that D.K. is cheaper than A.J. Brown, I'm just taking D.K. all day. Yeah, I mean, you're attached to a quarterback, what, Russ is 31? No, uh, is he? Maybe 30, 31, something like that. 2012 so, draft. Yeah, so, I mean, you're attached yeah, to... 31. Yeah, 31. So ah. attached to a 31 quarterback, one of the most efficient quarterbacks like in, you know, in the league. As a, I mean, hell of a passer. I mean, and even if it is a run-first offense, uh, I mean, we have no guarantee in terms of the health of either their two primary backs. And the ones that they have right now, at least with uh, Travis Homer, who I'll, I also think is a buy, uh, I mean, is a is a dual threat back himself. So, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, why not try and, why not try and scoop that up? Can you guys believe that RG3 was 10 years ago? Not 10 years ago. Oh, man. Close to that, though. It feel, I mean, that, that makes me feel real old. <laughs> makes me feel old. <laughs> not going to lie to you. Man. So that, I mean, but that means, well... And I think I've written about this in the past. I mean, that whole that whole draft right there was kind of wild, right? Because they took RG3 and then they follow up with Kirk Cousins right. later on in the exact same draft. Yeah. And they, they just kind of set – I don't want to say that they set RG3 up to fail, but it does seem like you know trying to grab, trying to grab a quarterback, like two quarterbacks in the same draft – uh, and like two stylistically different quarterbacks in the same draft just seemed like they they weren't completely bought into what Robert Griffin could do, even though they saw what he did at Baylor, but they yeah. just weren't they it's almost like they were trying to hedge their bet like by taking Kirk Cousins in that same draft. But that's a whole other thing. So I'll rift on that for a second as a as an ex Redskins fan, I have no problem pooping all over them. Um, they did terrible. They did terrible with their contract situation. So Kirk Cousins was drafted strictly as a backup, and they knew in that draft they needed a franchise quarterback, but they also needed a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember the free agent market at the time, but it probably wasn't very good. So Kirk Cousins was brought in to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, guy, um, you go throw footballs over there. Uh, we're going to have RG3 over here being the uh, next next great thing. And, uh, I mean, as I still am a huge RG3 fan, and he is his own demise. It was 100% his fault. Um, week seven, I believe, he hurt his knee. Uh, they told him the medical staff, which is terrible in off uh, Washington, which is why Trent Williams isn't there. Um, <laughs> told him not to come, not not to come back so quickly. He came back quickly with that huge knee brace that I remember hearing talked about all game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he was having a great season with that stupid huge knee brace. And then Seahawks game hurts the knee again, goes to the sideline. All right, you're done. He grabs his helmet. He goes in anyways. Heroic RG3, stupid center, snaps the ball way too far to the left. And RG3 doesn't even reach for the fumble. He grabs his knee down. RG3's career is over. Yep. (sighs) The the funny thing that you say about that, Wildy, is the fact that 
they they did, uh, and, and I think Chris, this is more your point. They did hedge their bets, and they were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were right. Yeah, but yeah. they hedged their bets, and Red they were bet. right. Accidentally, and, and on top of it all, they still found a way to screw up and let Kirk Cousins <laughs> leave town. Yeah, like, even when you bump your head on the right choice, you still manage to screw. Yes. Man, I tell yeah. you what, Washington, yeah. I tell you what. They bumped their head on the right choice. Yep. They drafted their backup, and there are so many reports you can find that they disrespected Kirk Cousins before he was important. No, easy, he, yeah. He was very disrespected before he mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like you said, Jay, like, they bumped their head on Kirk Cousins so hard. And you know Kirk, he's just like, hey, happy to show up, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here. You want me to go throw footballs today? All right. I'll uh, put the water bottles down and I'll, I'll go pick up a football. And right. then all of a sudden he's the franchise quarterback. And they're like, it's unreal. Yeah, let's try another year. And then yeah. <laughs> let's try another year. So like, you know what? Run it back. Run it back. Yeah. Let's do this one more time. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to keep tagging you. What? What's eight? What's eight million more dollars? Let's do 28 this year. Yeah. Kirk's like, it's you unreal. know what? Um, Guys, I'm sorry. I'm leaving. My minivan's not cutting it anymore. I need a larger one. (laughs) Just wild. Just just wild. All right, guys. We got a fun one to get into next. I'm really excited for this one because I get to um, soothe my soul a little bit with my pick. So you have one player you can grant a first overall finish to next year. So that's not first overall scoring, but let's say like first overall running back, first overall quarterback in fantasy scoring. Um, Who will you grant that wish to and why? Uh, let's start with you, J. Mike. The, there's you asked that question. There's one name that popped into my head immediately, and he, he's the only answer that I can give. Um, running back number one for the 2020 season to stick it in the face of all the haters, all the naysayers. Oh God, Ronald Jones. <laughs> yes, oh, man. Ronald Jones. What happens is they take somebody extra random late in the draft, and all of a sudden everybody's going to be up in arms. Why didn't Tampa Bay take any running back? What happened? What's going on? And all of a sudden the light fully comes on in year number three for Rojo. Uh, We saw him run with power this year. We saw him being able to do a lot of nice things. We saw him get involved in the passing game when everyone said that he couldn't catch. Uh, We've watched Rojo uh, take what I felt like was a massive leap. Now it's just a matter of, Hey, at this point, are you going to be able to earn Arian's trust? So with my magic wand in this very moment, Ronald Jones to troll the entire fantasy universe besides like the five of us that still ride with Rojo, uh, that that's who I would grant this to. And, and Twitter would explode. Maybe implode is the better way to put it. Are you guys classified as a cult yet? <laughs> There's only so many of we're, y'all left. We're too few. Yeah, we're too few in number for that. Right. That's, that's, that's there way are dozens too of us. For us. <laughs> dozens. No, wait. There's a dozen. Of us. I'm gonna give that to you, but I'm also gonna remind you that I have terrible memory, and I have vivid memory of Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> the flat this year. So if I remember it, it had to have been terrible. Chris, who are you granting the uh, first overall wish to next year? Um, so the, it's going to finish the person I want. And so there's, there's layers to this one. There's layers to this one. The person I need to finish first overall in fantasy next season. And I don't even care if it happened this season, but I need Lamar Jackson to finish first overall next season. 
because with all with with ev- with all the the hatred that that man got this, as soon as they got bounced out of the playoffs, it was so easy for folks to immediately hop to this idea that what he does on the field, I mean, is just and that's it. He's just a one trick pony. Give it another season, people are going to figure him out, and then it's going to be it. He's going to be just like RG three. He's going to be just like Cap. I mean, he's just and then that's that's it. I mean, the Ravens are finished. They're done. Because they didn't, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl after all the hype, after all the uh, the juke moves that we saw of Lamar Jackson, just like you know, juking, like juking guys out of their, you know, out of their cleats. I need it to happen again. I, I needed, I need him to go ahead and show these people that he's not only a legitimate passer, but also just he can out athlete, you know, anybody that's on the field. I don't care how quick you are. I don't care how quick you are, Mister Nick Bosa. I don't care how quick you are, Mr. Tyron Matthew. I don't care how quick you are. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, give me any defensive player, like, that's out there on the field. I mean, and I need I need Lamar Jackson to recreate what he did last season yep. this in, in 2020 because I just – I want it to be done. It's probably not going to be done because, again, we, we, we understand, I think, you know, we can talk in code as to why some folks are not on board. And we can get hey, behind talk that. about it. Talk about it. We can get you know we we can get into that, but I, I need that to happen again because I I need folks to understand that Lamar Jackson is legitimate. Like this is not just this is not just oh he was playing against the Miami Dolphins in Week One and that's why he threw for over three hundred yards and four touchdowns. It's like oh okay well he was running against you know he was running against all these other guys that really couldn't do anything so that's why he didn't play it against he didn't get he didn't play it against any good defenses. And, you know because he didn't do it in the playoffs and they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. I need him to do it again, like in 2020. That's my wish for 2020. I like your I like your answer much better than mine. Yeah. I need I need I need I big like trust. Mine, but yours is much yeah big, big, big trust, trust. big woo, trust. Woo. So, yeah. so you're two individuals that know me offline and we're able to have uh, have normal conversations out there. But uh, consider him being the few nibs deep and and trying to keep it light. I, I won't get into the real Lamar Jackson conversation, but what I will say is I find it so interesting, right, that we had this Lamar Jackson uh, should be a running back crowd, which was very small. Uh, it, it was blown out of proportion, as many things are. But then it, it lingered. I felt it lingering. And and then there was the Chargers loss. Don't forget about the Chargers loss where he wasn't allowed to throw until they were down 21. And then miraculously, the lead gets broken down to what, seven? Hmm. Crazy what happens when you let your quarterback throw the football. And then he's the MVP of right. the entire league. And he has a bad game. I just put up quotations. With 500 yards of total offense, he had a mm-hmm. bad game. The the MVP had a bad game when every one of his wide receivers, with the exception of, I believe, Hollywood, had a drop in one game. Right. One, And these weren't just drops because I went back and watched. Well, because the Andrews <laughs> drop was a pop-up into the air that turned into an interception. Which, very funny, we all watched the same film, but there's this, we'll say, crowd that just swears that that was Lamar Jackson's fault. The pass was way too far and away, even though it was being led away from a receiver. So it's just so funny how quickly people could turn on the the MVP. Oh, and then he goes to (laughs) talk about poetic justice. This guy, the Pro Bowl, Bowl, the skills, the worst skills drill. Like (laughs) the fact that he even finished that is impressive in its own right. Because 
I would have just stopped throwing. I would have started punting if I were Lamar Jackson yeah. halfway through that drill. He was having fun. Pro Bowl MVP. Yeah. He gets the MVP in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. How amazing. All right. I'll get into mine. Does anybody want to guess what mine's going to be before I say it? Darius guys. Darius guys. Darius guys. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's more yeah. than the guy that you can't not root for Darius guys. If you follow him on social media, the guy's fantastic. He's always got a positive attitude. Just if he could stay healthy and you give injury pro. Okay. So let's get into the injury prone conversation for a second. So Keenan Allen, not injury prone reason. He wasn't injury prone knee spleen. I think kidney, kidney or spleen rupture, which we saw. Happened in the game, and you saw him get hit in the side. Um, and then a couple other things. Random, not injury prone. Unfortunately, Darius Geis keeps having the same problem. Might not ever get better. But we got to see in very, very limited fashion in 2019 how impressive he could really be. We really did see the the second coming of Marshawn Lynch, I believe. Um he runs with such passion that it's almost like the outcome doesn't even matter. It's just something inside him where he doesn't want to be put on the ground. Like, yes, there's a football game being played, but in his head, it's just no one on this football field or on this earth is going to put me on the ground. Right. And that kind of running, you can't not root for that kind of person. You You can't. And just being such a great individual and a great teammate, unfortunately got stuck with a horrible organization. I was so upset when he got taken by the Redskins, especially since he didn't get drafted till the second round for character issues that we still haven't heard about. Mm -hmm. Where are the character issues with the individual who called his coach while his house was being shot up allegedly? And apparently the coach kept the voicemail. So apparently there's proof out there of that I would have to find. It's just insane, man, to, to not root for that guy. And I really hope he comes back next year because we've got Ron Rivera in the house. And uh, if he does anything like he did with CMC and guys can show he's got hands, whew, man, and he's so cheap right now, you might as well just go pick him up. Mm-hmm. Would, would you? Let me ask you this: Would you, would you be? Would you give a twenty-first for him, Wilde? Nope. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'll just check it. Just checking the heat check there. Do you remember what I traded you for Darius guys? It, it, it was uh, it was pretty close to the moon and and back. I'm there pretty confident. First in it, there was so what? 21st. Yes, I, I'm I'm sure we can find the message somewhere where where we can trace that back because because you're you're very good about tracing tracing your trades back. Yeah, um, yeah, but I I'm I'm rather I'm still rather happy about that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a 2021st involved. It was in the startup. Um, I took my fifth round pick already and Darius guys was still available and I traded up. No, it was earlier than the fifth round. <laughs> the fourth round. Traded up using a 2021st and I think like a seventh round pick or something like that. And it ended up being someone pretty fantastic. Maybe Cortland Sutton was involved. Maybe I'm misremembering. So let's jump to the next question. So I want to know what you guys are uh, saltiest about in 2019. Um, essentially, a player that you were the most salty about, or or a matchup with another individual 
that made you particularly angry, but this is your chance to rant on uh, how mad, how mad someone made you in 2019 fantasy football. You can go ahead first this time, Chris. Uh, I would say the one that made me mad the most uh, was, I, I guess I'm saltiest about the whole Damien Williams. I'll just call it a debacle. That's what I'll just call it. I'll just call it a debacle because it was, because for me and like, and it's not, it's not Damien's fault. I mean, Damien, if you ever wind up catching this, hearing this show for whatever reason, uh, I, I mean, I apologize. It's not it's not on you. But I will say this. Uh, in the 2018 season, I was all in on a, on a young man by the name of Jarek McKinnon. Uh, rest in peace. And uh, Jarek McKinnon, it didn't wind up working out for me. So then in the very next season, I mean, I saw what Damien Williams did at the end of 2018. I bought in, you know, I bought in hard to Damian Williams and then in 2019 I, I get burned again on top of the fact that you know I was I was hurt and I, I tried to let Jarek McKinnon go yep. uh, I, I still bought a few shares but we're not going to talk about that right now and I was I was definitely on the side of it doesn't matter you know what uh, what Damian Williams uh, draft capital was that was spent on him doesn't matter that he you know in Miami that he was behind so many other guys he couldn't break out in front of some of the other people that were ahead of him in the pecking order when he was still in Miami. It doesn't matter. He's, he's with the Kansas City Chiefs. He should be he should ball out. We just watched him do it in the 2018 playoffs. He gets hurt. Hamstring injury in preseason. Doesn't perform for the first four weeks. He then gets uh, the knee injury that keeps him out. Comes back for a little bit. He plays well then. Rib injury keeps him out again. And now we're right back in the same spot that we were at the end of the 2018 season. What is the value of Damian Williams? And I don't want to do this again. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm an old man. I'm tired. All right. Damn it. Like, and that is what I'm, I'm saltiest about it because we have not, we're not able to answer that question. And it's going to be the same. We're going to wind up having the same conversation over the, over this off season heading into 2020. I feel and it's just, and I'm going to wind up, I know I'm just going to wind up getting suckered into buying into Damian Williams again. I don't have that strength anymore. I can't say no. <laughs> I can't say no. Chris, I have two things. I have two things. All right. The first thing, is it safe to say that Damian Williams was your darling for the 2019 season? Mm-hmm. Was J. Mike your darling for the 2018 season? Yeah. Was there a co-host that argued to the near death against both of them? I don't want to hear it. I'm not, we're not talking about that right now. We're not talking about that right now. I don't want to hear it. The next thing, though, this might be good or it might be bad for you, but I'm going to tell you after playing Dynasty for a while that Damian Williams' value is 100% dependent on what he does in the Super Bowl (laughs) because it just happens. It just happens with players in the Super Bowl. Sony Michelle happened last year, actually. He had a very large value bump because of how he produced in the playoffs. So there's everybody else out there just like you thinking, what the heck am I supposed to do with Damian Williams? And they're going to let the Super Bowl be their answer. So if he blows up, that dude's going to have some value. Yep. Jay Mike, who are you saltiest about in 2019? Man, it's so funny that we we find ourselves back in New England after you just talked through Sony Michelle. And uh, all that jazz there. Uh, I, I am. I. I don't know who is to blame totally, or who should get uh, the the ire of all of my salt. Um, but it's either going to one Bill Belichick, or Damian Harris. Speaking oh. of keeping it in the family of Damians, mm. I 
still love Damian Harris. Mm -hmm. I think he's a fantastic prospect. I think that he does everything well, which makes him such a fantastic fit in New England. There's not any glaring holes in his game. That being said, let me read you guys a quick stat line here of this deep, deep research that I was doing here on Pro Football Reference. Uh, I dove in and listen, guys, this took me a lot of time uh, specifically for this show. So please be respectful of what I'm about to give you here. We're listening. Damian Williams. Excuse me. Freudian slip there. Damian Harris. Uh, his 2019 season. Two games. Four rushing attempts. 12 yards. Hey, three, three that, yards to carry. That is good for 1.2 fantasy points <laughs> so I, in a year where we watched any and everybody fail and fall on their faces in new england's backfield where james white was even like, reportedly in the doghouse because had to go something with his wife or was pregnant or had a baby yeah, i can't remember a, that whole story baby yeah, they had a baby. yeah there was some, some there was some weird stuff going on and his presence was weird then we saw Rex Burkhead obviously be hurt in and out of the lineup. We saw Sony Michelle underachieve like nobody's business. We saw them give looks to the fullbacks. We saw Brandon Bolden still hang around. And my man Damian Harris in the midst of all of that, in the midst of after being hurt, after being uh, basically breaking my heart and going to the University of Alabama as opposed to going to the University of Kentucky, staying at home in the state, I still roll with him. I still had his back. I st- Big trust. Woo, Talk woo. Damian Harris. And this man had the nerve to only get four carries on the season in a season that was primed for taking over or doing some or taking some sort of share from the New England backfield. So I'm extra salty. Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Damian Harris. One of y'all got to hold this bag that I'm holding. One of y'all are gonna have to come back and tell me that it's gonna be okay moving forward, or I'm gonna have to get out because I can't do this. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep swiping right on his name after he keeps breaking my. Who do I look like? Scoring lover? No, man. Kick, kick rocks, man. I, Damien, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you this season. I'm gonna give you one more chance. Bill Belichick, don't you play with my heart no more. I'm done with this. One more chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, Mike, I traded him to you. I just gotta get you back because uh, you <laughs> stole my 2020 draft. Um, <laughs> but I'll say my guy that I'm saltiest about, uh, Chris and I were DFS experts this year, just in case anybody didn't know that, uh, we put our 150 lineups together, just like everybody else to get our 300 in there, mm-hmm. uh, grinding like a true couple. And, uh, how many Miles Sanders free square weeks did we get? Probably th- like three in a row because they just kept pretending that Jordan Howard was hurt just so that they didn't have to make it weird. Just like Doug Peterson said that he wasn't firing his offensive coordinator and then like did it just the next did, day. Did the next day. Like, oh wait, just kidding. Um so, <laughs> so we got like four Miles Sanders free squares in a row. Like we kept playing Miles Sanders obviously throughout the year, but he wasn't free anymore. He ended up costing money. But the four free square weeks, he gave us like six points, ten points, four points, and I'm missing the money line. But like four points, five points, the rest of the lineup kills it. And I'm just looking at Miles Sanders doing terrible. But that's not the worst part. <laughs> the worst part is that everyone loves him. 
No one remembers how devastating those four weeks were that he was just supposed to annihilate, and then he just did it for whatever reason. He mm-hmm. just did it, annihilate. So I still think he's a good player. I still like him. I think he's way overvalued right now. I think that'll go down a lot. I prefer Josh Jacobs over him by a lot. Um, shout out to Ryan McDowell, who had Miles Sanders RB1 overall. That looked shaky for a while. Um, I had him RB3 behind David Montgomery. Oh, my goodness. Don't get me started. But I'll still take him as RB2 in that class, Miles Sanders, and just know that I'm disappointed in you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a so tough great. one. Chris, where are we at on time? Uh, we are at 45 minutes. All right. I'm changing up the last topics a little bit because I thought of something that I really wanted to do uh, that I've been thinking about throughout the week. And we've been really busy with the DLF uh, mailbag show and putting together the YouTube channel and things like that. That I forgot to put it on the, the topic sheet for this week. But... I hope this isn't too serious for everybody, but I just wanted to talk to some people that were older than me, and I just wanted to see what you guys' reaction to the Kobe situation was and his tragic death with his daughter. That That's scary because, okay, so the next topic was going to be uh, dad memory tips, tricks from you two, uh, two people that I respect greatly because my daughter will be here in the next month. And I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan. Um, I was I was team LeBron all the way, and I recognized the greatness. Um, I tried to explain it to my wife. She said, why is everybody – I understand how tragic it is, and it's very sad that someone dies. She said, why, why is everybody so uh, upset about this tragic accident? And I had to think for a second because – so when I found out, I was, at a, uh, I was at a brewery with my cousin. My wife and his girlfriend were talking – uh, across from me at the table and I'm just kind of I'm scrolling through Twitter waiting for my cousin to get back so we can talk about sports again and he get he's in the bathroom and, and I see the news I don't even bother bringing it up because they're not going to understand and and it was probably a hoax right and he sits down and I said man Kobe died and he said what and I was like I don't I don't know how to say it again man Kobe passed away and we just sat there in silence and my wife and his girlfriend kept trying to bring us back into the conversation. We just couldn't. And when we broke the silence, it was to talk about his last game when he put up 62 points, I believe. So when my wife asked me, hey, how, how is he so, uh, so missed already? I just said he was walking greatness. I mean, he chose basketball to be great at, but I think we could all uh, – admit that he would have been great at literally anything. Like I fix aircraft for a living. Kobe could have walked in and took my job that day. Like he was that kind of great. So I just wanted to make sure that we get paid some respect to Kobe. Like I said, I wasn't a big fan in life, but it wasn't that I wasn't a big fan of his greatness. It's because we kind of got LeBron and Kobe in this huge debate and you had to defend your generation and Kobe was y'all's generation. So let me hear a little bit about Kobe from you, Jay, Mike, and then we'll get get Chris, and then we'll get out of here. Man, uh, you, you talk about those moments in life where you'll look back and you'll definitely remember where you were when you got the news uh, about about uh, about Kobe. 
while a Spurs fan, as as your listeners cannot tell currently, I'm wearing my Spurs uh, <laughs> warm up shirt here, if you will. Big Spurs fan, so for a long time, just did not like Kobe. Uh, always in the way of of the Spurs uh, dynasties, uh, I felt like, and and uh, he's absolutely fantastic player, and like you just said, an incredibly bright guy, incredibly curious guy, uh, and I will always, um, at least, uh, I think I can say this with 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 as long as my faculties are in order uh, i was sitting on my couch here with my girls uh, uh, talking about girl dad over here right uh, and uh, my wife as well and we're introducing our daughters to willy wonka the original willy wonka and the chocolate mm. factory and uh like we're just enjoying it and i just took a video to send out to some friends of the candy man can like that that whole song that was going oh, yeah yeah and uh and I, as soon as I cut that video, I posted it in the chat. And the very next video, I mean, the very next thing, moments after that, um, was the New York Times uh, showing that Kobe had passed. And I remember looking over at my wife and I said, Kelly, <laughs> uh, I said, I just got an alert that Kobe died, Kobe Bryant. And she was kind of shocked and I was super shocked and, and uh still really weird just an incredibly tragic situation obviously but but to touch on what you had talked through adam one of the reasons that i think that it's so impactful for people is that obviously we, we a lot of times we talk about sports uh even we even see examples of this of fantasy football being bigger than uh what it seems on the surface right it's a game like fantasy football a game about a game basketball you know it's, it, it's a game that is an entertainment and there's also a business and, and all these things. But uh, we, we often forget about the, the reach, the impact, the wonderful things that these games, that these businesses do uh, and, the, and that these people uh, literally have probably millions, uh, if not hundreds of thousands of people who idolize them, who uh, have been impacted by what they've done on the court, how they've carried themselves in real life, things of that nature. And, as great as Kobe was uh, on the court, you, you, you hear all these now things post-mortem speaking about how focused he was on being a great father for his daughters, uh, how much of a family man he was wanting to be, how uh, inquisitive he was even in uh, his films that he was creating and documentaries and things that he was wanting to do. And even with Mamba Academy. So uh, a, a guy whose reach on the floor is as global and is as large as anything that we've seen. Uh, and, and was doing amazing things off of the floor as well. And forgive me for talking so long, but uh, we, we forget that the obviously these are people and the fact that they're in our faces year round, uh, day to day, that this has a heavy effect, not just on people who might have grown up in the area that Kobe grew up in, not just people in Los Angeles, but people who love basketball, people who uh, love watching fathers be good fathers, love watching awesome um people uh, carry themselves in such a manner in public uh, that that stand for something. And, and uh, I think that we, we miss that in, in, in the midst of uh, commonplace discussion regarding that. So this game is bigger than that. Uh, th- this, uh, the things that we do uh, are, are so much bigger and leave such a legacy. And, and Kobe's legacy is that of greatness. And obviously he's had his missteps off the floor and uh, all that jazz, but he, uh, the, the, the impact, it's truly great and it rises above basketball so hashtag girl dad uh certainly um lifting up 
Kobe and his family, uh, Kobe's family uh, right now, just because that's incredibly devastating. Absolutely. A girl dad here myself in a, in about a month. And Chris, if you could send us out here with your uh, parting words and, and like normal, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, kind of echoing both of your sentiments, because I think, uh, and I'll, I'll try and keep my comments brief, but um, I think when a player, like a player of Kobe's stature, where we can go back and look at the highlights. We talk about the, you know, the game where his last game where he scored 60 plus or the game where he dropped what, like 80 something. And, uh, you know, the, the times that we remember, you know, the highlights with him and Shaq and, and all of that. But I think at least for, for me, uh, it's not just, uh, the accomplishments, uh, on the, like on the court, uh, like the the things that we watch, but also the way that he played, mm-hmm. and you can hear him talk about it, and you can hear it through, uh, and you can kind of hear and like see his legacy live on in the way that other players play today. It's not just that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to shoot a better jumper than you. It's not that I'm going to you know, go to the you know um, go to the basket like harder than you or anything like that. It's that mentality that I am going to do that. Like that's isn't there's not a question about it. This is what I'm going to do. Like you're you're not going to you're not going to outwork me. I'm not going to let you outwork me. And it's that mentality that I think that has kind of oozed into just the NBA and past that, like into into kids. I mean, what was it? I want to say this was probably like last year or something like that, where I think it was one of the teams that he had helped coach. They came in second place and everybody looked upset. And I think people were joking about it, right? Because it was just like, man, how you know how tough would it be to uh, to play with a coach like Kobe, where coming in second, like you you look that upset. <laughs> and it was just because it's that mentality. And a lot of folks, you know, they want to they want to joke about having that, you know, I need to be in first place, that type of thing. But for him, that was that was it. Like I'm going to win. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to outwork you. Like they talk about uh, the what was it, the guys that would come in at like 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning and Kobe would already be there because I because he knew they would try and come in at that time and he had to outwork them. It's stuff like that that just makes it, it's bigger than just the sport. It's that mentality. And having somebody that preaches that, not just preaches it, but practices it, and it, it's it's something that you can apply to, to your own life if, if you have that mentality. And uh, it's I think when I when I got the news, I mean, not like no one else in my house is really that into sports like like I am. So it was really just a time where I just I just sat down and, you know, watch, you know, watch my kids play. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, I just wanted to be with my family. You know, I just kind of shut my laptop. And, you know, once once everything was confirmed that it wasn't we knew it wasn't a hoax and whatever. And it was time for me to just kind of sit down and just take stock. You know, my dad texted me. You know, got a got a text message from Pops. He was just like, "Man, Kobe Bryant died." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard." You know, when I'm just I'm sitting down with sitting down with the kids, uh, wife's working, and uh, we're just hanging out because I couldn't really think of anything else to do at the time. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of folks talk about uh, you know tomorrow isn't promised, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Uh, staying you know sticking close to your family, loving them, hugging them, you know do do all that. And I immediately did that. Uh, but uh, but I think that's it, it's that mentality that I think all of us. I mean, and you know, we're we're a part of this fantasy football community industry, you know, whatever you want to call it. 
And I think that mentality is a part of all of us that contribute to this community. We're all in here trying to figure things out. We're all trying to, you know, offer our opinions, offer our research, our insight. And uh, I think in keeping with that, I think it's what kind of makes this community, like our community, great. Uh, it makes it fun to be a part of. And uh, it's why I love being a part of it, having, you know, conversations at 11 o'clock at night with you, you know, with you two jokers. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that's that's a part of that's something that's a part of, you know, me. It's a part of us that I don't think will will ever stop. So that's that's my piece on it, man. I, J. Micah, we appreciate you taking your time tonight. Uh, I mean, any time that we can get you on, any time that we can you know, get your insight. I mean, we, we definitely love it. Uh, but before we get you on out of here, man, uh, I mean, anything that you want to talk about? I mean, you guys got the open bars back up and running. You and Gabe are, and, and your, your cast of characters that come in week in and week out are, uh, you know, doing things like every, every Tuesday night. But uh, what, what else you got going on, man? No, I, listen, uh, incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I always love chopping it up with you guys. I'm excited to see y'all again soon. Uh, Chris, even sooner mm-hmm. uh, than, than, than soon. But, uh, yeah, Open Bar is back and, and, and cracking uh, here in 2020. Uh, Tuesday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Myself, uh, Mr. Gabe Gearing, we come in. Uh, we we just like to have a ball. Uh, and we're doing so even in the off season to be able to talk through randomness and your teams, and, uh, football, and whatever else we can come up with and drum up with. So excited to be able to do that here soon and even have you guys on as well. So uh, that'll be a real treat, too. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at jmikecheck, at jmickcheck. Also doing some work over with the Dynasty Dummies during this annual rookie scouting bonanza that we do. Uh, as well as the Dummy Blitz podcast. Now, in the offseason, I still haven't figured out how to leverage that time well to to actually do something that's related to the game. And I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how we can how we can integrate that. But, yeah, uh, you can find my work at the Dummies uh, as well as the Open Bar podcast. But, again, I'm, I'm grateful for the time. Uh, and I greatly, greatly appreciate you guys and, and, and love that Dom is back. Yes. And, and with a yes, different sir. flair. It's like the Dom remix. I like this. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to change things up, and so we definitely uh, appreciate. I mean, any any feedback that y'all might have. I mean, you guys know how to find us. Uh, but for uh, for Mister Mister J Mike uh, at J Mike Check on on Twitter, uh, for Mister Adam Wildy AP Wildy, uh, I am Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWX. Uh, we have uh, the wonderful Curtis Patrick uh, from uh, Dynasty Command Center from Rotoviz up next. So you guys should be hearing from us here soon. Uh, but with that, we thank y'all for tuning in, and uh, we'll definitely catch y'all next week. Peace.